Hello, on today's More Valley Farmers podcast, we're discussing the weather. It's one of the favourite topics for us Brits, as the weather is, of course, so varied. But this is the clever bit. We're talking about a revolutionary new weather station designed specifically for farmers to give more accurate information on the weather conditions at an individual field level. Yes, that's right, field level. Measuring everything from air temperature, humidity, soil temperature and wind. Game changer? It just might be. So keep listening to find out how it can be used on your farm in the coming season and save you time and money. I'm Seth Conway and before we begin, let me encourage you to hit the subscribe button for more of these agricultural discussions. So let's get to it with Lisa Hamley from Mole Valley Farmers and Stefan Pedersen from Cordulus. So this is going to be a really exciting Mole Valley Farmers podcast, really informative, lots of great information to share with you today. Because in Britain, we all love talking about the weather, don't we? So I'm really excited by this one. So let's have some introductions. First of all, our guest, a non-Mole Valley person, but uh, super impressed to have him on, Stefan Pedersen. Stefan, just tell us a little bit about you and the company that you work for. Hello, nice to be here. Um, well, my name is Stefan. I'm a co-founder and product developer at uh, at uh, Cordulus, and we're well, basically rethinking the way that we do local weather forecast. And uh, you all know a weather station. We there, there's nothing uh, innovative in 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 that sense in what we deliver, but we deliver it as a service. So you can get local weather forecast, local data uh, from directly from your fields, and it goes directly onto your phone. And uh, we will use all that information to uh, retrain um, the weather forecast that you see regularly. Um, and this is using machine learning. And basically, over time, the weather station will be smarter and smarter and, yeah, be better at uh, telling the weather on your fields. And it's my job at Cordulus to make sure that what we deliver actually makes value for, for our customers and try to learn a thing or two about the weather, farming, and make sure it all aligns with the technology that we that we can deliver. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds it sounds amazing, Stefan. Um, we're going to get into this, get into uh, how it works, where you have to position them, all of that, all of that information. And we've also got Lisa, Lisa from Mole Valley Farmers. Just uh, say hello, Lisa. Yeah, hi, Seth. Um, yeah, also very excited to be here. Absolutely avid watcher of the weather. Um, I suppose being an agronomist, you know, we're always um, wary of of things um, like spray windows, etc. So I would be the proud owner of at least five apps on the weather and be checking them very, you know, very frequently. At, funny enough, not so much at this time of year. Um, although recently, uh, with the uh, you know rain that's come in, so everybody's talking about it. So yeah, perfect timing. Yeah, storms, weather, rain, it's all like that, but. I guess for us in the farming community, let's go to you, Stefan, on this. The fact that the weather is so important, you know, is it going to rain? When's it going to rain? How much is it going to rain? Is it going to be dry? All of those considerations that you have to do when you've got crops out in the field, livestock out on uh, distant fields. Just tell us then, how does your weather station help in this situation? Well, usually, as, as Lisa says, the farmer has access to a lot of free weather providers and 
um, honestly, we wouldn't be here without uh, the the foundation of all those apps, the, the large-scale numerical weather predictions. And um, usually those weather predictions act on quite a large scale. So you could be standing in the middle of a field requesting the weather for your location, but you would get it from a nearby city. And with the density of our network, we can safely say that there are very large local varieties and from experience our customers also mentioned that they could be standing on one side of a forest it's dry but it could be raining on the other side of a small forest and this is really important when it comes to scheduling your activities in the field be it um, where should you harvest uh, during during harvest it, you you want to optimize those uh, moisture contents and um Earlier in the season, it could be um, avoiding uh, runoff uh, during the spray activities, and it just uh, yeah, it 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 goes on, and and we've had some some good examples of um, farmers actually using this local weather to reposition during during these activities, and um, they 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 quite agree that it's uh, it's a local phenomenon, and we see it also during these. Um, uh, the, these intense showers uh, during the last few months, it's very local. And that's the whole reason that we're here, to, to catch these local varieties and um, sort of su superimpose them onto your fields and make sure that uh, they actually, the, the information you use to, base, uh, to, to make your decisions are actually based off of as, as local as possible uh, information. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible, Stefan, isn't it? Because as we know, Lisa, uh, particularly in the UK, the weather varies so much from region to region anyway. And then when you get down to that real detail, you know, you must see it out on farm. You look across the fields, it's raining over there. Oh, it's, it's bone dry here. And the farmer says, we've had loads of rain. You're like, no, we haven't had yeah. at all. Yeah. And uh, like Stefan said, you know, you can be looking at um Yes, a certain weather apps and you think, oh, well, there's definitely no rain and you're stood there in the rain. Um, and if you've got a crop of grass down, you know, and you're thinking, well, that'll be OK till tomorrow and actually it's getting rained on. You know, that's uh, that's going to make a, a massive difference to the quality of that uh, silage that's coming into the clamp. So these these decisions, you know, when I started the you know conversations and partnership with Cordulus, I didn't really understand that those weather apps that we've got were probably, you know, I think did you say ten k ten k around Stefan yeah. or even further away from yeah, the actual of the weather forecast? Varies, yeah. Very I mean, it could be quite away. Yeah, and then um, so we put some weather stations out to some of our shareholder members. Um, and um, I was astounded by how amazing they thought they were. I mean, uh, we had one down at Land's End, and um, well, still there now, and she she was just like, we never get a decent weather forecast because the weather goes one way or it goes the other. And it's revolutionised, you know, how and when they can do things on farm. And the other thing, Stefan, I didn't know, so this is a list of things Lisa didn't know, um, is that um, the weather forecasts are at a different height, aren't they, than um, the cropping height. So you're you're actually looking at uh, moisture um, at where the crop height would be. Is that right? Indeed, but but it's that's. Um... That, that that might be an implementation detail. You 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 can take the mm -hmm. you can take the large scale forecast and downsample them to, uh, or or you know you know increase their um, 
not increase sorry change change the height of uh, of uh, of its prediction and there are some some approximations of how to for example change the the measurement of uh, wind speeds at 10 meters height and move it down to the crop canopy in two meters height but um the the definition of an agrometeorological weather station which is what we are delivering is that it is in fact installed in that two meters height to give you mm. the the moisture measurements and temperature measurements at the canopy um, because it will vary quite a bit and the most common uh, misconception about our readings is the wind speeds people will take a look at the wind speed at two meters height compare it to what they usually see in the tv forecast and say well it's far too low this can't be right i can feel it in my face it's 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 way more mm. well that's typically because uh they 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 don't realize the difference 10 meters does so if if you imagine yourself putting a flag onto a flagpole it won't start waving until you pull it to the top and that difference mm. is really significant and it it, mm. it is quite important to get that local reading when it comes to your spraying and make sure that your particles don't drift and uh, and and you can protect the uh, the the surrounding environment. So let's get into the nuts and bolts, as we would say here in the UK. I don't know whether you have that expression in Denmark, but really get into the the detail on this. So you mentioned, you know, there are plenty of weather stations out there, aren't there, that people can purchase. I'm sure people have purchased them for their farms over the years anyway. So let's talk through what what your one does, but then crucially, what's that machine learning, that software behind it that really gives you that learned local forecast? Sure. Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned it in the beginning, there's nothing revolutionizing about a simple weather station, but it's the fact that we that we deliver it as a service to you and that we use this information to uh, keep getting better. But let, let's start with the service part. So usually you, you you can of course go and buy a weather station and you can pay quite a handsome fee for it and in a year or two it'll most likely break something will need replacement and you could try getting spare parts from the provider or you end up buying a new weather station with our service you don't have any liability in that um, when something breaks you call our support or send us a chat message whatever is suitable and we'll make sure that it gets uh, up and running as fast as possible. And our one uh, one of our priorities right now is actually detecting these breakdowns before they even happen. Can we see that sensors are drifting or they are actually uh, making error measurements? Then we try to uh, flag them, filter them out, and make sure that it gets replaced. So this is a a running running service of about a pound a day, and then you get all the uh, information on your field you you could you could ever imagine and most importantly is also that you get uh the historical data usually you don't have uh a, a, um a, a high resolution and high so to say temporal resolution of uh, weather information on your fields you could buy it but it's uh it's yeah we, we we deliver every single measurement the weather station uh, makes every 10 minutes and you can access it through the app and all these data points 
yeah, like eight, seven, six, seven, eight sensors every 10 minutes per weather station will go into our data uh, database and be used to retrain what is uh, called an artificial intelligence. Uh, and it's um, it's basically taking the weather forecast yeah, that you see in TV and then recalibrating it to the point where your weather station is positioned. Sort of like so the RT. Just on that... Yeah, sorry to, to interrupt, Stefan. So on that crucial bit of information, it's not as if you are effectively competing with the, the Met Office here in the UK. You're taking that information so you know what the forecast for that rough area is going to be, but then you're able to apply what your weather station is actually seeing there and then, mm -hmm. and that algorithm or that AI in the background then says, yep, I know what this is going to be. Mm -hmm. This is what your weather will be and can provide a forecast. Yes. Yeah, so... And on that, on that app, sorry, Stephanie, I was just going to say, on the app as well, you can you can um, link into other weather stations in your locality, can't you? So, you, you know, you're not just relying on your own weather station. You're, you can join in with, with others, which I think is really useful. Yeah, exactly. It's a community of weather stations and you have access to the entire network. And um, basically, you, you're, you're free to shop around and make sure that the, the configuration of your weather stations uh, match your... Uh, distribution of fields. So if, if it doesn't make any sense to put up two weather stations side by side because the two fields are owned by two different farmers. Um, so it, it's it's sort of a collective uh, use of uh, of the hardware. It makes sense both environmentally and, and also uh, in, in terms of how, how we can optimize the topology of the network. So Lisa, there. If you had to, um, your neighbouring farms, your mm. your farming community, where you've got you know three or four neighbours around you, actually, if if everyone went for this and you had the weather stations positioned as Stefan says at fields in you know the the distinct points of each farm, suddenly you've got a bit of a grid there, haven't you, over a, quite a wide area? Yeah, you've got a really massive upgrade on your weather forecast. Um, and particularly, I think, with um, farms and how they're set up, you, know, you can have um, the grazing platform at home, but your silage fields are you know, potentially further away. So and you might not be going down there every day to check and see if it's raining down there. Um, and then this way, you know, you could either link into a neighbouring farm that's very close or you could, you know, have another station further away and you literally look at your phone and you know exactly what the weather's happening. Um, and they're just so simple as well. I mean, they're they they're self sufficient. That you put them in, they've got uh they've got um, solar panels. They look after themselves. The um, water rain gauge is much better than the one I've got in the garden, Seth. Um, you know, it empties, doesn't it, Stefan, all the time. So it's extremely accurate. Um, and added benefit, it doesn't get frozen in the winter because I think you've got in Denmark, you've got them in some pretty cold places, and Sweden, haven't you? Yeah, we we got some position at the polar circle in Sweden, and uh, I mean, just That's pretty cold. Yeah, <laughs> going into Finland and as well, we 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 experience new types of cold that we we don't really see in Denmark. And um, yeah. I guess sometimes you look at the text uh, text specifications of sensors and hardware, and you re really don't worry about how cold can it actually uh, handle. Uh, in Finland, we get that uh, tested. And, and so far, it's uh, it's still working, and uh, it should be far more capable to than uh, than, than needed to ha to handle the Danish and the UK uh, environments. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty impressive. I did uh, have a look actually because I've got the app on my phone and I, I pinpointed onto ones in uh, Sweden just to see how cold it was. Mm-hmm. So that is the beauty of this. You can really see where all those weather stations are and it's, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's blown my mind to think that actually we should be a bit more accurate and, and this is incredibly accurate and um, with Stefan and the team behind and Stefan, you've got one which also interests me for the roads. And so, you know, I know we really need accuracy in farming. Um, and I hadn't really thought how important it is to know, um, you know, when to go out, I suppose, is it spreading salt? Yes, exactly. I mean, that is the primary use case of our road management weather stations. And um, they will be installed in the roadside, have some sensors uh, embedded into the, into, the, into the road. And basically, it will help the road management service do the same type of prioritization that the farmers are doing. It's a matter of where to go when. And, you know, for the farmer, it's a matter of uh, which fields are um, suitable for spraying, which fields are suitable for uh, drilling. And for the road management services, it's a matter of where is the road beginning to freeze is the temperature approaching the dew point and can we expect ice to form on the road, then we need to go spread uh, salt. Mm. But they also have, uh, of course, a a very important uh, focus on sustainability. So they don't want to just spread salt everywhere. It's expensive and it destroys the roadside as well. More Valley Farmers is owned by farmers and proud to trade with a cooperative ethos. Our shareholders are at the heart of everything we do, and we work with them to improve productivity, profitability and sustainability. Being a farmer shareholder brings many great benefits. You automatically earn loyalty points on essential farm inputs, including compound feeds, blends, minerals, fertiliser and new for 2023, selected total crop performance products and milk replacers. The Loyalty Points bonus scheme earned farmer shareholders nearly £300,000 in the last year, on top of over £740,000 secured by farmer shareholders through our retail discounts. You'll also get other exclusive farmer shareholder offers through the year. The Mole Valley Farmers newsletter posted to your door each month and, as a shareholder, you get voting rights at the annual AGM and have a say in your business. We have a farmer shareholder first approach at Mole Valley Farmers and we believe by working together, we are stronger together. For more information and to join us as a farmer shareholder, visit moleonline.com slash farmer shareholder. Mole Valley Farmers, committed to UK agriculture. So it's important for them to also know how much salt are they wasting and with a with a residual salt sensor also installed in the sensor, um, it provides them with the the most important uh, measurements on those matters. Well, so environment. Sorry, sorry, Seth. It was there. No, I was just going to say environmental as well. You know, so you're really focusing on on suitability for spreading, and we've got that um, as well with slurry and fertilizer applications. So to have a much more accurate um, assessment of whether you know it's the right time to spread um, out when the grass or, or the crop is actually growing as well. So you know we've got very accurate soil temperatures 
um, yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna revolutionise um, how we are able to do things and make effective decisions. Sorry, Seth, what were you saying? You pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That um, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that yeah. that that application. You know, if if um, local authorities, councils are using it for that specific purpose, obviously up in Scandinavia, where that's that's obviously mission critical, isn't it, for lots of things. Um, that's that's a heck of an endorsement that this product is is working and and does the job well. So, Lisa, as you were just saying there, that actually, if as a farmer you're considering, do I go out today to spread on that field that maybe, you know, three four miles away, or do I not? What what's actually happening to be able to see that on your phone and see because you've got a station there, actually it's fine. Or no, no, I'm not going to bother burning that diesel to get there today because it would be a waste of time. Yeah, absolutely. It's critical to, for decision making. And that historical um, piece as well, you know, where, um, you know, where you're generally like your soil temperature warms up in the spring. You can you can look at, at previous data and, and start making decisions based on what you already know. Yet we know that seasons are massively challenged at the moment. And that's where the opportunity to sow, to drill at the right time um, becomes even more critical um, so we need to we need to have really good prediction methods, and and I see this as um, you know forefront of that development. And so, Stefan, when you've had the station in place for a certain period of time, does that historical data, so from year on year, does that get pulled into the um, the AI, the machine learning about how it knows what your weather's going to be like? Yes, and that actually happens already after five days. I. Yeah, five days. Let's not wait for it. Yeah, no. Let's just go for it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, as soon as we have the uh, uh, have the information, you you could, I mean, you you could you could try to imagine the the large scale uh, grids of the forecast that we mentioned before. Um, you have this baseline forecast, but then with the weather stations in place, you can then predict or or get measurements of how how it varies within that grid cell, and that. I mean, after five days, you have uh, you have a history to to compare with other stations as well and see. Well, typically we're a bit lower than the than the forecast predicts, so the the AI learns that well, that's probably going to happen again. Uh, so if you're typically lower than the forecast, then yeah, that that trend should uh, should continue. Um, it gets a bit more tricky when you're looking at uh, what's called more discrete uh, events. Um, you know, temperatures are, you, you can see them kind of go up and down on a graph, but rain is more unpredictable. And while uh, uh, precipitation radars actually do help uh, quite a lot, you can also be in a position where the, the radar detects that moisture is contained in the cloud, but it won't precipitate. So this is where the network of weather stations is very important to find out where is it actually raining, because you might get a false positive looking at the radar. And um, this information, we're we're working on uh, combining the radar data with the uh, with the network uh, measurements as well, and this is going to take the forecast to an to an even better level. Um, so it's very exciting. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I just see the rain cloud coming over. I think oh, it's definitely going to rain. Mm. I didn't think about you know that it's got rain in it and it might not actually rain. How the how Stefan? How did you get into all this weather? What started this? Because it's just fascinating. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're a bunch of data nerds here at Cordulus, and uh, 
in in the beginning, you know, the 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 five founders of the company were engaged in you know studies at the university, and we were looking at uh, how could satellite imagery actually help farming. And uh, we ended up doing uh, crop health imagery of uh, you know cereal crops. Where is it uh, healthy? Where does it need attention? But the points where the field needed attention, we all, we wanted to take it a step further and make sh- make sure that we we had an uh, an estimate of what's actually going on in that spot. Why is it not performing like the rest of the field? Quickly, we ran into the the field of phenology and how <laughs> how does the weather impact um, different uh, microbes and and fungi in in the field and. Yeah, we needed weather data, and for us to buy that at that time of uh, our company's uh, um, lifetime was just not possible. So, John, my uh, my my fellow founder and, uh, and and CEO, he he proposed that we actually build a weather station uh, and and just put it out there. How hard can it be? <laughs> Tur- well, it's quite hard, I think. Turns out it's really, a bit um, difficult. But, I think uh, it's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's a bit difficult. Yeah. yeah, but, but, yeah. You know, we've joined forces with a lot of uh, competent people at the, the Danish Meteorological Institute, the Norwegian Institute. I'm I'm predicting that we'll also be working closely together with Med, Med Office at some point. Um, mm. We're if you're making a prediction, yeah. Stefan, I think it's a pretty good one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, probably a good word for you, Stefan. We're based in Devon, Lisa and I. Yeah, so, uh, I am, yeah. I drive past the Met office all the time. Yeah. yeah. Just drop by, Yeah. give him a station. Yeah, we'll pop the podcast yes. on there. I'm sure they'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, um, shortly after we engaged in, in getting those weather stations out there, it became a more profitable business than, than the, the satellite imagery. And, you know, we have we have we have certain uh, projects that we that our hearts are bleeding for and and or mm-hmm. bleeding for, and it, it was a tough decision deciding that okay we have to primarily focus on these weather stations because if we don't we are not going to have a business at some point and mm-hmm. it turns out this this cross field between technology meteorology and agronomy is just so um, purposeful to work with and. It, it just makes sense uh, that we spend our efforts in in predicting um, how this may impact our fruit production. How does it impact uh, our um, our transition to more uh, sustainable uh, life? And uh, I mean, with everything going on in the world, with with these massive showers and that you also see in uh, in in the UK, uh, it just further underlines our purpose in in our company. We we need to. Join forces and, and, and learn more about these conditions so that we can better handle them. And I hope that whatever we learn in, in, in from farming and, uh, and our road verticals, and that, that we can take this and apply it to more industries and um, really help that uh, sustainable transition. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, from the point of view of, um, you know, if you just even look at maize crops this autumn, some maize maize is still out in the field now. If you know um, the grower perhaps had had a you know a really accurate forecast in front of them with 15 days and they saw that 15 days rain is coming, then you know this no, it's a no-brainer to me. You just get it in, you put it in the clamp, you don't leave it out there um, because um, 
you know, from an environmental point of view and, you know, a cost point of view, you've grown a crop there that's still in the field. Or even, you know, perhaps, no, I mean, it's in the it's in the clamp, so it's good. But, you know, some of the conditions that fields have been left in this autumn, compacted, you're getting runoff and all those types of things, you know, from an environmental point of view, we need to be able to predict this a lot more accurately. And this is, you know, a very easy solution. I mean, how how quickly you guys are able to, you know, supply a weather station and the next minute you've got the app there on your phone and it's really that easy. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I I mean you you practically don't even have to wait for the hardware. You can in, install the app, uh, get the subscription, and then join in on the network. And once you have your station, you can put it out there. But I mean the the, the delivery time is so short. Yeah, it's probably not gonna. <laughs> Yeah, time before time before time you downloaded the app, it's yeah. pretty much there. Yeah. So yeah, very efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me as well, it feels a bit like we're going back to traditional ways, where you know you go back to the generations before this current generation, before them as well. They had no further data, so they had to know, didn't they? They had to know mm. what was happening in their local area because they didn't have that wider that wider forecasting. So they probably were a little bit better than we are now in terms of knowing, oh, I know what's going to happen roughly with my weather. you know. And I think we've lost that. We've lost that ability because we're so reliant on this big grid network of weather predictions. They come in, we see it on the television. Oh, okay, it's going to be like that. But actually going back to that tradition of, yes, I know what's going to happen in my local area. Mm. You know, yeah. it seems a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And... and- it is one of our uh, our focuses in 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 this. Um, um, yeah, we 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 don't consider the product ever being finished because it is a it, it's a learning journey. It's a continuous development of the the product and the service, the hardware, everything, the app. Uh, so we engage in these um, you know knowledge exchanges with with our uh, farmers and and also you you know the people in road management. But it's it. It's important to keep learning and put that uh, those experiences into the service and make sure that we can help uh, the collective uh, learn more about how the weather impacts our uh, local farming activities. And um, most people, they you, you know, they they know know some the basics and and, and a lot of stuff and and just react on instinct. But uh, being able to to get that information into a spreadsheet or in, in, a, in a graph and take a look at it and and compare the how how the different uh, parameters uh, co uh, or not not cohort but how how they impact each other um, will help you uh, learn learn just a, a thing or two more about the weather. Um, yeah. So so and it's still a learning journey for us as well, and that's why the close. Uh, c- collaboration with the uh, with Nordic institutions is also important. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fascinating. And Lisa, just as we sort of bring to an end this um, conversation, I've got one more point to put to Stefan before we kind of go into our final thoughts about it. Stefan, for um, farmers, particularly in some of the more remote rural areas where, you know, internet and broadband is a thing that they just wish for, um, Actually, this this works on really low technology, doesn't low connectivity levels. Yeah, so it's it's not reliant on any you know 
privately owned third-party uh, infrastructure like uh, the LoRaWAN network or NB-IoT, Sigfox, uh, you name it. It's using uh, a SIM card as you may have in your phone. So if you have just, you know, mediocre reception on your phone, then most likely the weather station will work. Um, it uses uh, the 2G and 4G networks uh, for data transmission. And I think it's it's only like six megabytes of data over, over uh, I can't remember if it's a week or month. Either way, it's not a whole lot of data. So the, the reception doesn't really have to be that powerful for it to work. Um, with the solar panels, it can it can make do in the field for two months without uh, without any uh, sun, yeah. and uh, and the the batteries will will charge um, charge quickly after that. And if it gets to a point where it uh, it is getting low on battery, it can turn itself onto a, a, a power saving mode and still collect data every ten minutes, but then transmit it every three hours. And that's really important for some of the colder regions and uh, where, where less sunlight is available. Over the, the winter half year, year it, it'll most likely go into that uh, power conservative mode and make sure that data is still collected every 10 minutes, but we, we, we transmit it on a more conservative manner. But that water collection method, Lisa mentioned it briefly, that um, yeah, if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go out and empty this cup, and it does it, it does it automatically. Yes, it's a it's what's called a tipping spoon rain gauge. So it it has a big funnel, and the water runs through it, and then there's a, a spoon that'll fill up and tip uh, when it's uh, when it's filled with the point twenty five uh, million millimeters of rain. Yeah, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's weird to talk volumes in 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 distances, or is that yeah? But yeah. <laughs> Uh, and in English, uh, uh, you're absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. So, so the water will run through, and it won't be stagnant in the spoon. In in case uh, you have a, a, a night frost or whatever, uh, the regular rain gauges you have to empty them because you all know if you put uh, a, a filled bucket of uh, or can, can into your uh, mm-hmm. into your freezer, it'll it'll burst. The same thing happens for for the rain gauges. The water will expand. And then burst the the plastic. That's not an issue in a tipping spoon uh, rain gauge. Um, the, um, the 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 primary um, question that we get to our rain gauges is that it measures differently from those exact rain gauges. And mm-hmm. I must say that with all our testing and uh, uh, knowledge on on that field so far, with we've done numerous tests comparing those uh, plastic rain gauges to our own stations to what you would call the official uh, meteorological weather stations from med office uh, dmi and so on um the the old rain gauges are not accurate and it's uh, what in my garden's no good then Stefan. is that what you're saying uh, especially not in the <laughs> garden it'd be, be, it, it gets uh, impacted a lot by uh, you know trees and bushes and, and it okay you have you have to put the weather station in, in, in quite an open terrain for it to be yeah. the most accurate and you know if you put it if you put our weather station next to a bush that's also going to impact it if you put it in the middle of a courtyard that's also not going to work you have to put it in your field to get those local measurements and to avoid any, um, yeah, any obstacles from from around it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. 
Excellent. Thanks for explaining that through, Stefan. So just some final thoughts there, Lisa, for our farmer shareholders, our members, our mm. customers, that actually this is a, a product that really could be quite game-changing, couldn't it, for their how they operate day-to-day. Absolutely. And, you know, I was a little bit sceptical at the first. I thought, well, why do you need one? Because I've got five apps myself, you know, so <laughs> really. Um, but having seen how accurate they are in field um, and the difference on decision-making that these um, weather stations make, it is absolutely a no-brainer. You know, you can't function on those other apps because, you, as I say, you can literally be standing there and it's raining and they're saying it's not raining. So um, this is for your farm, your decision-making. Um, and as you said, in the UK, we've got such a variation of weather patterns. With the best one in the world, you know, the big providers can't be as accurate as your own weather station. Yeah. And Stefan, just a yeah, final final thought from you before we go. Well, it's, it seems like, it, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but I think I'm kind of biased, yeah. And uh, It's your business. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> earlier this year, I was... I was doing interviews with uh, German farmers as well. And I had one case where he was looking at uh, the time of year, it's time to do some septoria spraying. And um, he then took a look at the app and, and, and uh, there is a, an analysis of the, um, of, the, of the different fungi diseases in there. And he was saying, no problem at all. And he took a chance and skipped the spray and he actually yeah, he didn't need that spraying, and he ended up saying three thousand euro on that one spraying. Um, so, think about how how this information could impact the activities you do every day. Save that one trip to that remote field. It's yeah, it it, it it's gonna it's gonna help you save a lot of money. Thanks for listening today. If you still haven't subscribed to the Mole Valley podcast, then let now be that moment that you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to us today. That way you won't miss out on any future episodes. If you'd like more information about this weather product, then please contact our grassland and forage team through the contact section of our website. That's moleonline.com. Moleonline.com. Or pop into your local store and our team will put you in touch. Until next time, I'll speak to you soon.